Hi, this is Jeff Cornell. Watch us on I Only Touch Greatness Podcast. Hi, I'm Russ Cornell. Please join us on I Only Touch Greatness yeah. Podcast. The Mayor C Town, Ryan Hayes, and his big name guest. Vancouver, BC is a part of me No matter where I call home or where I sleep I will forever be from the streets to the V Where I learn to stand tall on my own two feet Vancouver, BC is a part of me I'm from Van City, grew up in Vancouver Way back when we was taking taxis, not Ubers We was being young, living life to the fullest Doing dumb things, thinking we was the coolest Doing us, having fun on the day to day All we thought about was partying and getting laid Grew up, sold drugs, I was getting I let my hair grow long and I was getting braids Yeah, and then I cut it all off I was hustling cause that's how I was brought up I was deep in the streets, I was getting caught up Thank God RCMP never caught up Thank you Lord And I still got a clean record 20 years later still killing these records Yeah, ain't a damn thing changed Vancouver BC is where I learned the game No matter where I call home or where I sleep I will forever be from the streets to the V Where I learned to stand tall on my own two feet BC is a part of me No matter where I call home or where I sleep I will forever be from the streets to the V Where I learn to stand tall on my own two feet Vancouver, BC is a part of me Yeah, now I'm all grown up, man, I'm 36 Now I'm a grown man, hit this bitch Life's a bitch and I swear I've been through some shit And I'm still steady hustling and getting it Only difference is now everything is legal Living positive, I learned how to fight the evil I cried when I lost my little brother even though he gone forever, he will never be forgotten Nah, and he's still on my mind That was 2023 and I'm still on the grind Yeah, I'm still trying to get mine Thanking God every day, thankful I'm alive Yeah, I thank God I survived And I made it from the bottom where it's hard to live life Yeah, my love for God never changed Vancouver, BC is where I learned to pray No matter where I call home or where I sleep I will forever be from the streets to the V Where I learned to stand tall on my own two feet Vancouver, BC is a part of me No matter where I call home or where I sleep I will forever be from the streets to the V Where I learned to stand tall on my own two feet Vancouver, BC is a part of me Often imitated but never duplicated, I Only Touch Greatness Podcast with Ryan Hayes. Yeah, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. We've actually crossed paths a few times over the years, Canucks alumni games and UBC. Cool. Yeah, I'm a season ticket holder. So That's awesome. Love that picture you got in the background too. The McLean. I'm in, I'm in the uh, Canucks dressing room. <laughs> oh, you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. That's hilarious. Both born in Duncan. What was childhood like for you growing up? Oh, it was great. I mean, we uh, lived in Lake College until I was six, and then we moved to Victoria. And uh, you know, I think that uh, there was great opportunities there for sport soccer baseball hockey and uh we were lucky to grow up uh, in a family that uh 
We had great guidance, great parents that uh, supported us, and uh, I think that's probably the reason we were successful. Okay. Ross, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, it was. We had a great childhood. Uh, um, we played a lot of sports. Uh, played soccer in the morning. Got dressed in my hockey gear in the back of my dad's car on the way to hockey on the weekends. Uh, Jeff and I. We did this thing. We did this thing with our dad uh, when we were really young, called father and son on Saturday mornings. So we'd skate with some older kids and my dad from probably five thirty in the morning till seven. Jeff probably knows the time better than me, but it was dark out when we left the house, and so we we did that almost every Saturday in the winter time, and then we'd play sports after that and. Um, a lot of baseball, a lot of soccer, track and field. Our parents, if they didn't coach, they my mom, our mom was working the uh, concession stand, PTA, a lot of volunteering uh, from our parents, and so we had we had great role models growing up. Okay, I forgot to mention my name's Ryan, by the way. Uh, <laughs> hey, Ryan. Yeah. All right. And uh, you guys both played for Victoria Cougars. Yeah. What was that like? And how were your days back then? Do you remember? Yeah, I think, well, um, you know, I started playing um, Junior B, then I played Couch and Capitals the one year, then I got called up to the Cougars, played there for two and a half years. The last year I played overage with, uh, well, what happened was I was going to go to UBC and play on the hockey team when I was 20, and then uh, at the last minute, uh, Victoria traded for Russ's rights, and uh I came back, played overage. We played together, and uh, I think that we probably, you know, well, I helped Russ get drafted first, you know, in seventh overall to Toronto, and Russ helped me get a contract. Um, you know, at Christmas time, I could have signed pretty well with any team in the NHL and signed with Boston. That's just it. I had you had ninety-two points in one year, and then one hundred and fourteen the following year for Victoria. And how does that? How do you not get drafted after seasons like that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, interesting. So I got called up towards the end of the season, uh, my first year in uh, Victoria, and we went to the Memorial Cup. And I think everyone on the team got drafted but me. And then the next year, I, I was I didn't get drafted again. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it worked out okay for me. Okay. And, yeah, and I, I was in uh, I was playing midget hockey at Notre Dame in Saskatchewan. At, uh, in Wilcox and I was getting a lot of college uh, teams interested in me and my rights I was with Medicine Hat and uh, I'd been to the training camp the summer before and Notre Dame was really Barry McKenzie was my coach and he really wanted me to go to college um, so I, I told I told Medicine Hat that I was probably going to go to college. So they traded me to Calgary. Calgary called me. And I, I really, I said, the only, the only way I'll play in the WHL is if I played my hometown and I'd have a chance to play with my brother Jeff, but, you know, play in my hometown. And they, they traded me. And um, we had the memorial where we had the um, Canadian Championships um, Air Canada Cup in Victoria that year. And so uh, Dave Andrews was the coach of the Victoria Cougars and he did a great job recruiting me and convinced me to turn down the scholarships and 
and come to uh, play in the WHL. And Jeff and I ended up um, making, I made the team. Jeff was already on the team and, and uh, he, we played together and it was just natural. We'd never played together because he's three years older than me. So every time I moved up at division, he moved up. So we never grew up playing on the same team and except maybe our first year in, in pups, my first year in pups, but it was just fantastic because anybody who came near me, Jeff would beat the crap out of him. So <laughs> gave, gave, gave me a lot of room. And uh, I think Jeff, Jeff is bang on. Uh, he helped me get drafted uh, seventh overall to Toronto. And I think I helped him get, get uh, noticed by Boston because of the way he played. He totally changed his game to a more physical game. And he started it. I think Boston came out to watch me and they ended up signing Jeff. Sweet. That's a, that's a good story. I was going to ask you where you were draft day when you got drafted seventh overall to Toronto in 83. Uh, I was in Montreal. Um, so uh, I flew out there um, with my agent brought in all his first potential first round draft picks. So there was about five of us. Um, we flew into Toronto, took a train to Montreal spent a few days in Montreal and it was just unreal and dream, a dream come true for any Canadian kid and or any kid who plays hockey, but especially for, for me growing up in Victoria and, and watching uh, Toronto, our dad was a big fan of uh, the Maple Leafs. And so to get drafted to Toronto was just a dream come true. Okay. A friend in common, friend of the show, uh, Phil Blake. <laughs> <laughs> The legend, Phil Blake. I, I, I was told by his son, David, who I'm friends with, the uh, that you guys used to skate with Phil as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the reason we were such great skaters. Phil had uh, power skating uh, classes, and then also at hockey school, he taught with my dad. And, uh, you know, the power skating that we did early in our childhood with Phil really developed our skating and i think you know it really showed later on when we were playing in the nhl um you know we were both fast guys on our teams and uh obviously russ was from one of the fastest guys in the league and i think that it all came from developing the strides and everything that phil taught us when we were so young so yeah he uh definitely deserved a lot of credit for our success for sure yeah Phil, Phil was an amazing um, skating coach and, and Phil was a good player who um, took up figure skating also. And so he knew a lot about edge work before anybody. And, and so we would take these um, power skating um, classes from him and we, and we learned how to do a lot of things without the stick. So many kids never skate without a stick and um we did and and so it really helped our balance our speed our edges and phil has he gets a lot of credit for um for how how good we could skate yeah that's true i used to i used to go to phil too for power skating back in the old quitlamanics and the uh actually jeff that's where i met you one time you came there to, for one of phil's skates and uh he ended up signing an elbow pad of mine as a kid and i never <laughs> forgot i never I never forgot it that's great I, yeah he was oh, amazing yeah, I know some of the some of the drills that he made us do like uh, i remember the one where 
he would uh, put sticks on all the cones all the way down the ice and we had to hop over all the sticks and yeah. usually by the end the sticks would be everywhere all over the ice because nobody could jump over them but it was stuff like that that he did that uh, really really did have an impact yeah Jeff I didn't it's find this it's no coincidence he signed the elbow pad if anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants to see a great elbow uh, just google Jeremy Roenick gets hit by Jeff Courtney and oh, breaks I, his jaw. Oh, I have that. I, I have I, I, I have that as one of my questions. I was going to ask you about the Ronick hit because I just had Ronick on two weeks ago on the podcast. So. He he was he and I played in a golf tournament last year in, in uh, Coeur d'Alene, a cancer care, cancer cares uh, great charity event. And, and we got paired together. And the guy introduced us on the first tee. And after he introduced us, he said, I want to tell you guys that i I, I really like Russ, but his brother Jeff broke my jaw with a, <laughs> with, with a brutal elbow. And that's how we started the golf tournament. Pretty funny. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to add, I'm gonna add that highlight. You, yeah, that game, he kept slashing me and hitting me, and I warned him about three times. And then finally, <laughs> I said to Shane Corson at the draw, I said, okay, get ready. I'm going to hit him. And... Uh, <laughs> He came across the blue line in our zone with his head down, taking a shot, and I hit him just as he shot. He actually scored on the shot, but he didn't get up. <laughs> that, that's another beauty guest of ours too, Shane Corson. What a beauty that guy is! Yeah, yeah we both played. We both played with Shane. I played with uh, Shane in Montreal, and yeah. Jeff played with him in um, St. Louis. Okay. Yeah, he was. And he was amazing. That guy was probably one of the toughest, hard-nosed, skilled players that I played with. God, he was a great competitor, yeah. that kid. Yeah, yeah, he def definitely a great guy, too. Um, yeah. Jeff, I didn't find a stat on if you represented Canada, but uh, Russ, what was it like putting on Canada jersey and representing the country? Well, I've been fortunate. I've represented Canada um, in every possible every team possible except uh in the davos tournament so i would play in the olympics world cup canada cup and um world juniors every time it was awesome and jeff and i played together in the world uh cup world championships in um in uh finland, finland. and we came okay. would we i think we got silver so yeah we did we did play together and um he was there a lot they didn't make the playoffs. I was in Montreal and we um, played two rounds. So they were there for quite a bit, uh, quite a long time before I got there. I, I was there for the last couple of games. I came over with Rob Blake and it was, it was a fun week, but um, a short period of time that I was there. Okay. And so Jeff, you did, you did representing your country is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you, you win a game, they play the anthem, you're wearing the Jersey and you, you're playing with guys that you normally are playing hard against, you know, you don't like, or you don't, but as soon as you put on that Canadian Jersey, everybody gets along and you know what you're playing for. And, and you forget all the stuff that, you know, you fought over or battled over when you played against one another. And then you, you're there for the common goal to win for your country. So it's awesome. Yeah. So Jeff, I should have had that stat, but I dropped the ball on that one. The, uh, I saw that Russ, you were 1984 Olympic team, obviously, and what we were just speaking about. Do you have any memories of that? Like, what's it like walking out the tunnel kind of thing? 
Well, they, so we had the opening ceremonies after we beat um, the U S in the first game. And it was, it was just an incredible experience. And we, so after the game went back to the dorms changed and then headed over to the outdoor soccer stadium where 55,000 people were, uh, you know, waiting to cheer everybody in through the, like you said, you walk through a tunnel and then out onto the track and walk around and, and that was back when you marched, not like today where everybody's kind of doing their own thing and taking pictures and not not walking in, in a straight line like military style. <laughs> but but when I got to the 50-yard line, my, my mom, my younger brother, Bruce, and my our stepdad was on the 50-yard line. And I just, it was so emotional. I caught them. They saw me. I saw them. And um, we all started crying and waving and, and them. I, one of my teammates kept pushing me going, you got to stay in line. You got to stay in line. <laughs> but uh, it was, a, it was a great experience. And we unfortunately lost the bronze medal to Sweden to nothing uh, for a bunch of young guys uh, who hadn't turned pro yet. We, we put on a, a good show and, and we, we played well, but I have to say that Kirk Muller and I um, threw the best, uh, closing ceremonies party in Olympic history. We were uh, sponsored by Labatt's and we had this house where um, they had brought a thousand 24 packs over to um, Sarajevo. And on the last day we got the equipment truck. We went and got all the leftover beer, filled up the truck and we, we snuck in a hundred cases of beer into the Olympic village. And every time we went through the metal detector, we gave the guy a 24 pack and we had, <laughs> and we put him in a goalie bag and we were carrying, I don't know how many cases we had, but we had played in the morning that day and lost the bronze. So we did it all afternoon and we put all the beer on an eight story <laughs> apartment building out on the deck of every bedroom and living room on all eight floors and the entire village showed up to our door our dorms which was an apart apartment building and we had the biggest party in in olympic history and because you're not allowed to have i don't know if they have alcohol there now but uh in the village but we weren't allowed to have alcohol and we we threw a hell of a party dave king was not happy the next day because <laughs> we were all still uh flying pretty good from the from the uh party we'd just thrown so if you guys were having a dream dinner party and you can invite three famous people, other famous people that are alive, who are you bringing to your party? <laughs> God, well, Gretz for sure. <laughs> God, I don't know. So many. Warren Buff I'd get I'd invite Warren Buffett. Oh yeah. Wayne okay, always... Gretzky. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, Warren Buffett. Who would be the third? Oh. <laughs> For example, Ooh. I go I go with like a music guy. I go with Tupac. Yeah, I was I was thinking of a music guy. Yeah, and then I go with a comedian, Seth Rogen, being from Vancouver. He's one of my dream interviews. I'd love to sit down with that guy. And then some eye candy. If you guys are bringing Wayne, I'm bringing Paul. <laughs> I'm I'm bringing Paulina. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay. Well, if you think of any more, throw them out. Yeah. 
The the next question is both talking about what's it like to be your first trade. Uh, obviously, Jeff, you went from Boston to the Oilers, and uh, Russ, you went from or you went from Toronto to Montreal. Uh, what goes through your mind when you're first traded? Well, I think my first trade it was kind of one of those years where I wasn't expecting to get traded. Cam Neely and I were roommates. Uh, I was playing in a line with Kenny Linsman and Cam Neely, and Cam and I were leading scorers on Boston, both having our best years. And uh, you and I were at a movie, got back to my room, and there was like six guys outside the room. <laughs> what the heck's going on? They go, oh, have you talked to the coach? And I said, no. He goes, oh, well, you better call the coach. So I called the coach. It was Terry O'Reilly at the time, and he said, oh, yeah, you, you were traded to Edmonton. So I was pretty upset because we were, you know, it's the first year I was really having a great year and, uh, you know, didn't really think that I was ever going to be traded to any team, let alone Edmonton. But when I got to Edmonton, those guys in that room welcomed me like you wouldn't believe. I got to play with Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry right away. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. Everything worked out fantastic. We won the cup that year. So, you know, it was just uh, one of those things that worked out great. But you never, you know, you're never ready to be traded, really, uh, unless your things aren't going well, then you want to be traded. So it was just an interesting time. The obviously the nineteen eighty eight Stanley Cup run you went on. What was it like beating Boston? Yeah, that was great. I mean, you know, we beat them five straight. Yeah. They turned the power off in the second at the end of the second period in Boston, so we had to play the fifth game back in Edmonton. But yeah, yeah. it was you know, it was so good to beat them. I mean, obviously when you get traded from a team you wanna prove to them that they shouldn't have traded you, so being on that team, uh, that playoff run, we only lost two games the whole playoff, and uh, it was just a, it was an amazing group of guys to play with. Russ, uh, you had a great cup run as well. Didn't get the chance to hoist today, as far as my stats. Uh, yeah, 89, 89 cup run. Uh, can you tell us about that one? When played the well, I, I, um, I got traded that year, and and Jeff had been traded. Um, once and then he had moved to well i guess he got traded twice by the time i got traded and uh he was a big help he said look you know you're you're going to a new team you're gonna have a fresh start it's gonna be good so that made me feel better that i think initially when you first get traded you're a little embarrassed you know like every player wants to stay on the team they first play with and finish their career and it, it rarely rarely ever happens i mean barely ever and uh I got there and the exact same thing happened to me that happened to Jeff, that the team was so welcoming and we were so good that it was so, it was just so much fun. Every time you went to the rink, it was, you thought you were going to win a game. I think the first 20 games I was there, we, we might've lost the game and tied one or two, but um, we went to the finals and I thought it was destiny because Jeff had won the year before in 88 and, and, uh, I thought I would, you know, here I'm going to win, you know, Cardinal, Cardinal, back-to-back cups, and uh, unfor- we were up two games to one, and then we lost four games to two. But I'll tell your your audience a story that most people have never heard. Pat Burns was a first-year coach, and 
he was worried about our team having fun. Um, he was wanting us, you know, he had a thumb on us all the time, but it was pretty tough when you're that good a team. So in the playoffs, he thought it was important to, to fly a lot. Like it, after the second game, we flew from Calgary on a red eye to Montreal. After game four, red eye back to Calgary. After game five, red eye back. So we had three red eyes in one week. Calgary stayed in every city they, they, and they flew the next day. So they were well rested, well rested, and we weren't. We were exhausted, and we were both. I, I'd say we both had older players on our teams, and um, we just ran out of gas. And they were as fresh as a daisy. They played great. I mean, they they deserved to win. But I look back on that, and and I guess after Pat Burns won a cup in Jersey, he came out and said he he thought he knew he made a mistake by doing that, and he and he. Uh, he wasn't sure he was ever going to win again or have a chance to win. And after he won, he told the story. Somebody told me he told that story that he, he made a huge mistake, but can you imagine flying three red eyes in yeah, one yeah. week and then trying to play? We were just dead. I mean, yeah. your, your sleep was all screwed up. It's so hard to, to sleep after a game. You're so fired up and you drank coffee and, you you slept all you sleep in the afternoon getting ready for the game at seven thirty eight o'clock whatever it was and then you try to go to sleep and if you're on an airplane forget about it I mean it was brutal anyway so that was that was one factor in the series that really hurt us but both teams were great they won the President's Trophy we were second that year both teams were in the finals and uh, too bad Stan Smeal didn't bury that one when he had the breakaway and in the first in the first round against Calgary because it would have been would have been our cup. <laughs> Jeff, why did you want to get traded out or request a trade out of Washington? Um well, I mean, I think that uh you know that was just an unfortunate time and uh I think that uh you know after stuff that happened the year before I just didn't want to go back. And uh you know I think that uh getting a chance to, you know, there, there was a bunch of reasons too, as well, contract stuff. Uh, I had signed with the Rangers and then Edmonton were able to match and they traded me to Washington. I was there for two years. I had two great years. Um, that was a great team. Um, and then, you know, some unfortunate stuff happened off the ice. And so just wasn't, you know, it was just kind of time. Go somewhere else. Okay. Uh, what are your memories of your time in St. Louis? Oh, St. Louis is a great place to play. I think that, uh, you know, uh, we always had a great team there. It was a great city to live in. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time there both times. I mean, I was there for the one year before I got traded to Vancouver and then, um, you know, had the opportunity to go back when I was a free agent. And, um, you know, I mean, Brett Hall, I got to play with him a lot. And, you know, we, we played together for pretty much the whole time he and I were on that team. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, the last time we were there, it was, uh, we had a great team, great coaches. And unfortunately, we didn't win. But, uh, you know, the year we lost... Um, to Detroit in game seven, 
that was in the Toronto series when Nick Kiprios jumped on Grant Fuhr and wrecked his knee. Yeah. And uh, so we lost Grant Fuhr, but that was the year that we probably had another chance to go all the way. Yeah, when we I had Kipper on the show, and he, he says that it was a totally an accident that happened to that day. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, accidentally on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff, and I played. Uh, I was finished my last two years in LA, and we played. Uh, in my first year, we made the playoffs, and uh, we played St. Louis. And um, the first two games were obviously out in St. Louis because we squeaked in. And Jeff says, uh, "I'll pick you up. We'll go uh, come over to the house for dinner." And then I'll bring you back to the hotel or you take a cab back or whatever. So we, he, on the way to his house, he goes, let's go to Grant's farm. So that's where the, the Budweiser farm is, the bushes. So he will, rolls up to the gate. Hey, Joe, how are you? Go through the gate, walk through the kitchen. The, the chef goes, hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm like, where the hell are we? It's this huge old mansion that was built, I think, in 1902. And uh, they gave us a couple beers. So. We go into the hunting room and Andy Bush and his wife is there with another couple and we're sitting there having a couple beers, talking to them a little bit, but we're just catching up and we have a couple more, a couple more like, <laughs> and you know, we got a game the next day, so we got to go. So we, we go home, we have dinner and freaking Jeff sets a record for most points in a game <laughs> and he, what did you have six points or seven seven points oh, yeah. and so andy bush is at the game he's downstairs afterwards he's like holy you got to get back to the farm again but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was quite something i mean it, we uh yeah anyways he had a great great series they beat us and uh what did you guys beat us in you beat you beat us in four straight. So, yeah, and then I got to tell one more story, and Jeff can follow up. So oh my God. perfect. So we have we we lose the first two games, and so Fise was our our starting goalie, and and um, what's his name? Uh, Store backup. Yeah, Jamie Store was our backup. My wife is sitting beside Jamie Store's fiance. We're winning the game three nothing with about eight minutes left, and Jeff freaking rolls over Jamie's store, yeah, and just sends him freaking flying. Our our trainer goes out and asks him, "Are you okay?" And of course, every athlete who gets knocked out says they're okay. That they leave him in. They St. Louis gets a five minute power play, and they make it three one, three two. And Ray Ferraro and Luke Robitaille telling Larry Robinson to call a timeout. <laughs> and Larry goes, no, no, they're getting tired. And, and Ray Ferraro goes, yeah, from high-fiving each other. <laughs> Boom. They tie it up. 3-3. Three, three. They win 5-3 in regulation. But before this all happened, my wife says to Jamie Storr's wife, hey, congratulations. Your uh, fiancé is about to get a shutout. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, and cursed, uh, but, him, cursed him i saw that i saw that hit today i looked it up on the internet when i was looking up videos and stuff about what we could talk about but i saw that that's a great clip we're, add, we're gonna have to add that in here and 
Yeah, uh, it, uh, it's a it's a long story, but basically, in game two, we were beating them. Uh, or no, yeah, we were beating them three to one, I think, in game two. And so after the second period, they put Store in, and he shut us out in the third period. They scored, made it three two, but we won the game three two. So we go back to LA for game three, and they started Store. And he basically shut us out for the first two periods. So I said to Holly, dump it in close to him. (laughs) I said, dump it in close to him. I'm going to hit him. And he looks at me and he goes, really? And I said, yeah. So I couldn't let this kid shut us out. So I hit him. They dogpiled me and beat the shit out of me. And we got extra power play. So we scored, tied it up. I actually think I I got on the ice and got an assist on the winning goal, and basically there was death threats for me in L.A. And now even today when I go back to St. Louis for stuff, fans will come up to me and go, still think that's the best thing ever when you hit the goalie. When I went in the locker room after the game was over, everyone was staring at me like it was my fault because it was Jeff. <laughs> like I, all the guys are looking at me. I walked right by everybody into our medical room and there's Jamie's store on the, now he's on the medical table and the doctor's going, what day is it? And say it was a Tuesday. He goes, Friday. Like he's totally unconscious <laughs> on his feet and they left him in. Whoa. He had no clue where he was. Not a yeah. clue. Yeah. Nowadays it wouldn't be doing yeah. that kind of thing at all. And I know, I was going to ask Jeff about the concussions here coming shortly. I personally have had them through hockey and I fell once in Mexico, too many pops. And then, uh, yeah, I hit my head and I was like a fish out of water flopping around on the ground, completely blacked out. And like you said, when I was coming back to it, they asked me what day it was. And I was the right day, but a whole year in advance. I was knocked like a year. I was knocked a year into the future. Um, you might as well talk about it now then. Uh, how did concussions affect your game, Jeff? Yeah, well, it ended my career. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of concussions throughout my career. And back in the day, they just gave us smelling salts after we got knocked out and we would continue to play. And I had one bad one in Washington where I ended up in the hospital and played like two days later. And I think then finally it caught up to me in uh, St. Louis. I got basically punched and knocked out and then uh, missed like 50 games that year came back in the playoffs then I got hit again the following year so I got forced to retire but I think that you know the concussion awareness now is uh, much greater than it was back then and um, you know it's obviously post-concussion symptoms are pretty hard to live with that's that's for sure that's one thing I've noticed too is it, it, it does take a toll on your body. Um, I, I was off work for about six months just trying to deal with my head injury once. And I noticed little things like I forget to close the cupboard doors in the kitchen or I leave the bathroom light on or some just some little things like that that is, I would never have done before. And it's ever since I hit my head. Yeah, well, that, that's my excuse now. if you get to flush the toilet or something something along those lines the greatest trade in Canuck history I like to think the one that brought uh, Jeff to Vancouver from St. Louis 
along with Momesso, I believe, and Cliff Ronning. Cliff Ronning, yes, of course. And um, yeah. Robert Dirk and Robert Dirk. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was one of the trades that kind of pushed us over the top. I'm an '83 born, so I was still a little kid at this time. But the it, I remember it coming down and you, you getting traded to Vancouver, and it propelled us just to the top. And obviously that cup run, which we'll, I wanted to ask you about here. Uh, what was it like when you got traded to Vancouver? Oh, it was, you know, it was great. Um, obviously, again, I didn't want to lose leave St. Louis because I was having such a great year. But, um, you know, coming home, getting to play with, uh, you know, my family and friends in the stands and being in my own environment was great. You know, Cliff Ronning and I ended up playing with Trevor Linden, and we had a lot of success that line together. I think that that trade really, you know, Sergio Momesso, Robert Dirk, it, it really added a lot of depth to Vancouver. We had a really young team, and a lot of the young guys started to play great. Kirk McLean, obviously, you know, and then some of the trades. Pat did an amazing job of building that team. Pavel coming, and then the 94 run was uh you know, probably the most memorable in my career uh, next to winning the cup. Okay. And Russ, you obviously got there to Vancouver as well. You did stop in Dallas on the way where you had a career high. Uh, what contributed to your success in Dallas before getting traded to Vancouver? Well, I, I played, uh, I had some great line mates. Um, I was playing, I was playing really well in Montreal till my fourth year and I had a really bad shoulder injury where I tore my rotator cuff and things went sideways and then got traded um, to uh, Minnesota. And I started kind of picking up where I'd left off before the injury and, and got to play with Neil Broughton and uh, Mike McPhee, um, who I'd played with in Montreal. And we had had great success with Guy Carboneau there. So uh, Minnesota great ice uh it's a it's a it was one of the best ranks for for ice along with edmonton during our career and then when we went to dallas it was just so exciting going to a new environment where they just uh welcomed us with open arms and again played with uh, the same guys and and on a good team and and um yeah i just i had great teammates line mates and uh had a lot of opportunities to to succeed so those were why I put up uh, those numbers and and um, eventually get traded to Vancouver from there. Yeah, that's just it. And uh, I forgot about the Minnesota move into Dallas when I had that question written down. But uh, what was it like being part of the team that moved? It was awesome because we nobody knew anyone in Dallas. So we were really a tight-knit group. Whenever we did something, we always did it together. A lot of cities, you go to a city, you know, people have friends outside of the team because they've been there for a while. And Dallas, we knew no one. And so we we did so many things together. We were such a tight-knit group. It was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a great team on and off the ice and and really, truly had a ton of fun with everyone. It was, it was a great couple of years there. What did you feel when you got traded to play with Jeff in Vancouver? It was great because I was having a contract issue with, with Dallas. Norm Green owned our team at the time. He was having some financial difficulties. They couldn't pay everybody. They chose not to pay me. So it was, the writing was on the wall. Um, 
and they traded me to Vancouver and it was great. And we, uh, Jeff and I didn't play a lot together, uh, but we, we did get a chance to play with each other. And, and, um, we had a, we had a good run until we met, you know, Chicago, we lost three of the four, three of our four losses were in overtime and it was a very close series and it could have gone either way. Unfortunately, they, they beat us and, um, Jeff ended up leaving after the season and I stayed, uh, for a bit before I got traded to New York. Yep. But and I love playing in Vancouver. I didn't want to leave. I, I was pissed when I got traded cause I didn't want to go. I really yeah. wanted to stay in Vancouver. I really did, but Jeff, what are you doing? It, for the, sorry, go ahead, Russ. No, no, it's nothing, not, nothing. Okay, Jeff, what are you doing? Are you working for the team right now, Canucks? No. Oh, no, okay. I'm just I'm hanging just, out. I'm. I was down here talking to Rick Tockett, and uh, uh-huh. so I figured I'd do the call while I was here rather than in my car. Okay, that's great. Uh, so, Russ, Doug Waite, Bill McCall, Gary Galley, Sidor, which one of your fights stands out as the your toughest one? The best fight was with, with Sidor. Um, he, uh, he and I got tangled up behind the net, and I think I kicked his feet out from underneath him, and he, uh, he's like, he said something like, you're lucky, you know, or something. You said something like that, and I let him get up. I said, all right. He didn't think I could fight. I could fight against guys my own size. I wasn't a big fighter. I only had 20 in my career, but he, he really didn't think I could fight. So I let him up and him and I went toe to toe from behind the net to the halfway up to the blue line. And it was one of, one of my best fights. And, and, you know, no, there was no real harm done by either one of us because we're at the time he was a bit of a lightweight he wasn't as he was young back then. So, um, yeah. And the other one, uh, Dougie Waite and I are friends now, but he, uh, I hit him in the corner and he was talking to me all the way to the blue lines. And I, I said, let's go. I dropped my gloves and I had him and he didn't drop his gloves. And he said, Oh, I'm not going to fight you, Russ. So I picked up, I go to pick up my gloves and he freaking beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get up. Like he just hammered me and I got a bad neck. Every time my neck goes out, I think of Dougie because he, <laughs> he just pummeled me. But, um, I, I only had 20 fights in my career. I wasn't a fighter, but I wish I was. Cause there's a lot of guys I wanted to freaking kick, kick their teeth in. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff, you had too many to name them all. Uh, do, oh, do you have one that stands out? Uh, hmm. Oh no, I don't. I don't know one. Dallas Drake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dallas Drake and I used to go at it all the time. We were about the same weight, same weight. I freaking hit him with a left and buckled him. But uh, Mike Hartman with Buffalo when I was in Boston, he and I were same weight. We used to have incredible fights. Like we would just probably hit each other like thirty times, and it was nonstop. But um, you know, not, I got beat up lots by lots of guys back then, you know, guys, I weighed 190 pounds and the guys you were fighting were like 210, 205. So, you know, definitely, uh, was outmatched lots of times by bigger guys, but, um, you know, I, I fought a lot till 
Washington, when I was playing there, they basically told me, hey, we don't want you fighting. Like, we want you scoring goals. So that was pretty much when I stopped fighting. Okay. I fought, I fought, uh, I had a funny, I had a good fight in uh, Vancouver against Todd Krieger. And when I was going to the penalty box, I put my both arms in the air. And the next shift out, when after they served the penalty, Joe Ricci came up to me and said, what the hell do you think you're doing? Show, you know, put your hands in the air because the fans went crazy in Vancouver. They always like seeing guys who weren't fighters fight. And I said, Joe, that feeling of beating a guy up is like you scoring a goal. It only happens once a year. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you got a point there. <laughs> That's a good one. That's yeah, yeah. It was pretty funny. <laughs> he started like he was so pissed off at me and he started laughing at the face off. You guys have a favorite road barn, like stadium that you guys would go to that you enjoyed. Well, I don't know. There were there was lots. Chicago was always great. L.A. was great. New York was great. Uh, obviously, Montreal, Toronto. Yeah. Great places to yeah. play. Yeah, there's so many good ones. Okay. So many good rinks. Okay. Uh, I, I, I love playing in the old Edmonton rink. And I love, you know, I just, the way they played, too, is my kind of game. A lot of skating. And I had... I had, a, I had I had a bit of luck with on Grant Fuhrer. I don't know how, but I did. <laughs> maybe let maybe let him in on purpose. <laughs> Another great guest of mine I had on. He's a beauty. Piercy, yeah, he's awesome. The well, I'll just get this out of the way now. Uh, the Russ, the Leaf. I was reading somewhere today that Leafs Nation, whatever. I guess that's kind of like our Canuck Army kind of thing. Um, they said that the trade that the Leafs made with you was the worst trade that they've made. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard a lot of that. I mean, it, um, they they needed toughness. Um, Wendell was out of the lineup a lot then with the bad back, so they, they felt like they needed some toughness. I, John Brophy and I were not getting along, and he, he started sitting me out. I'd never been sat out before. And... Um, Vinny Dampus was coming into his own. So they felt like they could trade me. And it was it was great for me because I got a fresh start, great team, revived my career, and they moved me to right wing. So I changed positions from center to right. And it just, you know, John had a lot of problems, and uh, John Kordick. And um, unfortunately um, for him, he didn't get the help he needed. But um, – he was struggling off the ice, and so it was. It, it just really was unfortunate for Toronto. They didn't probably get the player they thought they were getting at the time. Uh, eventually, we're going to have, have to talk about the '94 Cup run, uh, which we wouldn't have a Cup run if Jeff didn't score at the Game Five overtime winner. The you, how much of that run do you remember? Obviously, it was awesome. The Bray hit on Churla. The, you had the game six goal. Uh, did you know that you were living at that moment in the best time that most of us can remember? Yeah, I think, you know, it was when you're deep in the playoffs and you're playing, you don't really think about it. You just want to play one game at a time and win. And, yeah, I think obviously the, you know, Calgary were the favorite to win the cup that year. And, uh, 
you know, to score that goal in overtime, game five, I think that really ignited the team. We won the next two games in overtime, and uh, I think that that really gave us the confidence we needed going into the next series. Um, I think that uh, came together really at the right time. Kirk McLean played unbelievable um, throughout the playoffs. I mean, obviously in game seven, the save he made against yeah. Reichel, uh and then Powell scoring in overtime. I think that uh, the whole the whole playoff run, it was, you know, I mean, we came back in one and seven in that series, and unfortunately should have done the same in the final. Um, you know, Nathan hit the goalpost with two and a half minutes left. That would have tied it. Um, I think that would have been a different outcome, but... Um, it was just a, it was a, it was an amazing ride and, and really getting to see what the, how excited the city and the fans got uh, after Game Six here in Vancouver. Uh, it was probably the most uh, glorifying uh, you know fan base that I had ever experienced in my career. You know that right away that that goal went in in Game Six. Yeah, I I you know I saw it hit the. I saw it hit the back bar. I mean, I was right there. So, yeah. you know, I, I basically saw it go in and go out. And I was yelling at the ref the whole way down the ice going, that was in, that was in. And then they scored. And then the horn went. And I went to the bench and I said to Pat, I said, that was in. And so they called it back. And instead of it being 3-2, uh, I think it was 4-1. But anyway, yeah, that was that was a great game. Uh, Russ, what was Battle of the Blades like? <laughs> it was a it was an incredible experience. Um, one of the hardest things I've ever done, and uh, you know, I it, I was a good skater, but figure skates are a whole different game. And so it took me about twenty eight hours of public skating to feel comfortable that I was going to fall flat on my face. Um doing something like that live in front of an audience and then the country, uh, you know, they, the countdown, you're out there skating around in front of 3,000, 4,000 people in the audience. And then there, somebody over loudspeakers like, okay, 30 seconds till you go live, 20 seconds, get to your mark, 10 seconds. And then when that red light goes on, you got to remember how to do your routine that you only had like five days to learn. And um, it was just a, it was incredible, and and I, I I'm glad I did it. It was a uh, it was a great experience. Um, wasn't great at it, but I really enjoyed doing it. It was it was funny. We were living in Toronto during the show, and all of a sudden, you know, we had the the hockey fan base, but then all of a sudden, like we'd be at Starbucks having a coffee coffee before we go into practice for the rink to practice for three hours with your partner and all these women would come up who were on their coffee break going, Oh, we watched the show and we love the show. Like they didn't care about the hockey. They just wanted to hear about the figure skating and all this stuff. It was like, we had a new fan base. It was crazy. And, uh, it was, everybody enjoyed it. I mean, it was fun, but, uh, I didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> that's where those, but it was good. that's where the Phil Blake edges come in handy. And then, yeah, yeah. The figure skating. Um, yeah. So, yeah, your your son Justin, he actually played out here in Coquitlam uh, with the Express. 
Uh, how's he doing these days? Yeah, Justin's good. I mean, he, uh, Real you know, he ended up Boston University, um, and he basically played in the American League for, I think, three years, and then one year in the East Coast League and ended up meeting his wife in Dallas, so he's living in Dallas, and you know, I've got a grandson, Ryder, so that's pretty exciting. Okay. And then, Russ, you've got the sports family as well. Uh, yeah. Your one daughter... You have two daughters, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah. Brooklyn played for the team or plays for Canada national soccer team. Yeah, she played for the U20 team this year or last year. She plays currently at USC. She's just finishing her second year and she's doing great. Um, really doing well in school and, and soccer's been, she's <laughs> played um, played every game and it's been awesome. My oldest daughter played for UCLA, won a national yeah. title, and she ran track there also. Um, she's expecting our first grandchild in April and or May, and her husband plays for the Minnesota Vikings. So, oh, what? Sports. Yeah, Eric Kendricks, number fifty-four. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then they met at UCLA, and then our son Lawton plays in the East Coast Hockey League in Charleston, South Carolina, Sea Rays. So, everybody's. Playing sports, uh, the oldest one now is a model, and um, she's sports illustrated she model. Yeah, she yeah she she made the swimsuit edition, so she was excited. Took her four years to do it, um, and now she's uh, modeling her baby bump. Oh, <laughs> pregnant women! <laughs> it's pretty cool. So they're cool. everybody's doing good. My wife's doing great. She's an interior designer, got her own uh, company and a construction company, and so she's everybody's busy doing well knock on wood things are good do you guys have any pre-game rituals no no <laughs> well you you pretty well end up doing the same thing and and you get in you get used to basically doing everything the same and then you know i mean i always i would go into the stands and i would sit in seat number 14 and what at whatever section in whatever rink and tape my sticks before the game Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Russ? I I kind of I kind of got rid of all my superstitions when I read read this book that superstitions were a sign of weakness. So I uh, I kind of gassed everything, but kept a couple. Um, always tied my left skate on. I always had to have my left skate on first. Tie my right skate second. Um, I lived when I first came to Toronto my second year, I lived with a, a, a Jewish family and in Forest Hill and their grandma told me it was good luck to always walk through the door with your left foot first. So that's why I did my left skate on first. But um, yeah, I didn't have too many, but I did do the same thing every, every game pretty much. I didn't consider them superstitions. It was more of a routine. Uh, we skate in the morning, have pregame meal, try to nap for a couple hours if possible. And then, you know, coffee before the game, you know, kind of get dressed at the same time. Like just, we were, I'd call it a routine, not a superstition. And Jeff would always get his legs rubbed down before the games. I'd say that's a routine, not a, not a superstition, but yeah, different Different. There were some guys with some crazy routines. Oh uh, yeah, 
mats, like just mats. Definitely hear about it, especially the goalies. Usually, it's always the goalies that are the weird ones. Yeah, <laughs> I always found it was the the sort of the, the weaker players that had the most superstitions. Like, I don't want to mention names, but a couple guys like they'd score like three or four goals a year, and I'm like, what's the difference? Like, you're gonna get five. <laughs> <laughs> who, who were you? Uh, who were your sports heroes growing up? Like, who did you guys want to play? Like, Boris Salming was mine. Yeah, I, 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 I love Mel Bridgman because he, uh, he played midget. My dad coached him, and then he played junior. So I watched him a lot and just loved the way he played. Okay, and. Say, I know nowadays they call it rookie initiation and all this stuff. Not the same initiation that you guys had back in your days, but if there was a thousand dollar prize on the line, you had to sing one karaoke song. What song are you singing? Oh, God. God. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sweet home Alabama. Yeah, there I was going to say, but I would say bye bye, Miss American Pie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite sports movie? Moneyball. Oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna lose you. My battery's dying here. Yeah, I'm not, oh. me too. Okay, and then we could we could wrap her up. I was hoping to get a Gino story out of one out of you guys, but uh, I can uh, tell a quick one. Okay, what do you want to know? Uh, just tell us a good Gino story. Uh, well, I got tons, but I heard uh, you used to be the prankster in the in the locker room. I heard so. Yeah. How about a good? How about a good prank? Um, we were going on a two week road trip, <laughs> in uh, the uh, in the old Coliseum where our lockers were is where the weight room was. And so when we were going on the road trip, we would come in with our suitcases, we'd go out practice, then we go to the airport and travel. So. I put a five pound plate off the bench press uh, machine in the side pocket of Gino's uh, suit bag. And he carried it for two weeks on the road trip and he never knew it was in there until we got back when we showed him. <laughs> he goes, I wondered why my suit bag was so heavy. Awesome. Uh, we could wrap her up with that one then. And